any announcements? Okay, good to see you. Did I see a hand right here? Oh, Patty. Okay. Okay. Uh, is there no, someone writing those down? Or, Pat, you got that? The, the, are you writing that down? I don't have a pen on me, I don't think. Yes, I would. Uh, that way. Okay. And Charm, what is your mother's name? Tess. Well, the grown woman that is here with John Harris is not his girlfriend or wife, that is his granddaughter, Cassandra. Nice to see you, hud. And let's have a wonderful, grateful Thanksgiving. And Bud would like to think that all of you are here to uh, hear him preach, but we know it's because of the meal following. But uh, we'll let him go in a blissful blindness like that. Out of all these scriptures, I think one that really sums up thanksgiving comes from section 112 of the Doctrine and Covenants, and it's a promise given to, the, to us. It says, I, the Lord, have decreed to provide for my saints. Is there any one of you that can call yourself a Latter-day Saint that has not been provided for? Let's turn our hymns to number 560. And after this, C.H., will you bring us our invocation? 560.
Jacob is our brother, that we have the sacred words of faith that you let him with the thoughts and the words that he has planned for us to hear this day and pray that they would uh, bring us each one to a closer walk with you. And we just ask for your guidance and your direction throughout all the days of our lives. In Christ's holy name, amen. <laughs> This morning our theme is let not your gathering be in haste nor by flight. Isaiah 52:12 says this, for we shall not go out with haste nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will gather you together. Let's turn to hymn number 566. We talk of Zion. Good morning and welcome to the house of the Lord. Again, that uh, theme being, let not your gather, gathering be in haste nor by flight. As I read that, the, the two words haste and flight kind of stood out to me and I thought, I want to I try to understand that message a little more clearly. So I thought, well, haste to me indicates that there's anxiety. 
You know, it's either you're anxious in a good way or in a bad way. If you're anxious, it's because you have high expectation of something and that's great. But I think this may be addressing, if he's saying don't do this, it's probably a haste that is based on anxiety. What's flight? The old standard is, you know, fight or flight. There's, there's some kind of something going on that we don't want to participate in, so we're going to run. And this is saying don't run in in fear. Fear is the beginning of wisdom and the right application. And let me tell you, when I discovered how badly I needed Christ, I was pretty afraid because I just realized, you know, my life has resulted in this kind of chaos and calamity and, and uh, I just knew that I needed to get right with Jesus Christ and I didn't even know what that meant. So I found my way back into church so that I could have some help in discovering what that requirement is, how to be right with God. I heard a uh, mental health professional one time say, what is the cause of anxiety? And he said this, he said, living beneath the level of obedience to God that we believe is required to be in right relationship with him. That causes anxiety, that causes unrest. If we're living beneath the level of obedience to God that we believe he desires for us, there's a feeling of unease there's a restlessness, but there's also a little bit of fear and anxiety. For most of us all, our life's experience has been in the context of love being conditional. We've had to perform for approval, to avoid punishments, to have acceptance. We've even had to perform for our income, for our daily sustenance. This performance platform is seared into our very being. Everything that we understand about acceptance is based in performance except for one thing. That's why it's so hard for us to really fully grasp the gospel and its content of us being met by God through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, where we are and as we are and accepted unconditionally. The only requirement is for us to trade our sin for his righteousness. That's something almost impossible to believe. We can completely miss what he says when he says, you cannot earn your salvation because we're so conditioned to believe. We have to perform. You cannot earn your salvation. It's paid for by my blood on the cross is the message Jesus gave with his gospel. We can read in the Bible, work out your salvation in fear and trembling and then believe we are required to earn it. We cannot. We cannot earn his grace, but we can increase it by love, and we can increase it by our obedience to him. We cannot earn our salvation, but we can have him seal it because of our love and obedience. We cannot do the work we are called to do without his spirit in us, authoring his work in us and through us. We cannot walk in his light if we fail to honor him, making his spirit welcome by participating in the sanctification process of repentance and new life. I shared in a previous sermon, I used to believe that life was a roller coaster ride. You know, you had your peaks, you had your valleys, you had your good times, you had your bad times, you had your happiness, you had your sorrow. And then I was in a uh, Christian group one time and, and somebody said, it's more like a slinky. 
You know, it's just looping. There's no one repentance and then complete acceptance without going through that repentance again. There's no one uh, loss in life. There's no one single thing that brings sorrow. There's just this loop you go through. And, and for all of us, I, I can't imagine there's anybody who doesn't live this life of there's sin, there's repentance, there's reconciliation, there's joy in that redemption and, and being reconciled to God, and then you find yourself back in sin. You just loop. You're either going up or going down. Robert Job shared this with me after the sermon. He says, slinkies always go down. <laughs> Gravity. And I got to thinking about that after he said that. I thought, he's right. The only way that slinky's ever going to go up is through the power of the Holy Spirit lifting us. If we don't have that, our slinky's determined and bound and inescapably going to go down. We gather in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We gather because he asked us to have fellowship with him and other believers in the body of Christ. We are responding to his love that he has shown by the atonement. We're responding to his grace and mercy, his sacrifice for us to be redeemed into his kingdom. And he offers us protective shelter under his wings as long as we respond to his guidance. He has given us his gospel. He is the way, the truth, and the light, and no one comes to the Father but by him. We have responded to his gospel and taken his commission as our purpose. We are dedicated to his service, and he seeks to gather all of us who will call on his name and be born again. He seeks to unite his church into one bride. John 14, 26 says, The Holy Spirit whom the Father sends in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I think that we probably all can benefit from looking at how we live our lives and, and recognizing that everything that we have chosen to believe, whether we have chosen to believe in optimistic ways or pessimistic ways, whether we believe in... Uh, Introverted ways or extroverted ways? Put a title on any two choices we have and just consider this. The same way we select our friends, we select the, the characteristics that make up who we are. We choose those things. And if you can just imagine in your mind, just imagine you're walking through life holding hands with the companions that you've chosen. Spiritual companions. Characteristics of your personality. Those are our choices. I once was responding to a man that was my father's boss when he was working, and I was probably, I don't know, maybe 18 to 22, somewhere in that age range. And he asked me a question about my vocation I was pursuing, and at that time I don't think I had a clue. I think I have a learning disability when it comes to career orientation. I don't think I ever figured it out. I got a degree in psychology. I got a degree in, in uh, business. And when you do show that kind of disparity in your, in your career choices, by default, you must work for the government. So that's what I did. But uh, I was responding to something that he said, and it showed enough pessimism that he said, you're a chip off the old block. And it took me a little while to figure out what he meant because I asked him, I said, what do you mean? And he used the word pessimist. And I thought, I don't want to be a pessimist. So I was talking with my cousin, 
probably even before that. We're talking about pessimism and optimism, and my cousin says, well, I'm not a pessimist, I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. Really. And I finally came to this conclusion. A realist is a pessimist in denial. But we choose how we respond. One of the things that I think is most important is the recognition that life is going to present pain. It's going to present confusion. It's going to, pre it's going to present invitation to all kinds of wrong thinking and, and, and wrong responses. And it's not so much those things that trigger us to have those kinds of choices, and some of them we just don't want to have, but we're forced to make a choice. It's not so much the event, it's the choice in how we respond. And those series of choices define our character and who we are. If we're not open to being taught truth by the Holy Spirit, we cannot fulfill our calling. We become stagnant like a pool of water apart from the flowing living water of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher only if we choose to be his student. The best gift we can give ourselves is to choose to be a student throughout life. We simply don't learn it all. We won't learn it all in this lifetime. I'm convinced that after we leave this earthly life and go into his kingdom, we're still going to be taught. We're, we're probably going to be in classes somewhere. <laughs> Reminds me, I, I probably shouldn't disclose so much about my past because this one is just, a, it's, it's pro I probably shouldn't, but I'm just going to because I think it's funny. And part of my job is to entertain you while I try to, bring the message that God wants me to bring. This is after I came back from the Army and I was wearing my field jacket as over in OSU uh, in a huge auditorium classroom, 600 people. And I can't remember what the, the course was that I was in there studying, but I got there a little bit late. So I walk in. I've got long hair from because I you know, finally got out of the Army and I didn't have to get a haircut, so it was down to about here. And it was wavy and curly and I'm sitting in the back of the classroom in some metal folding chairs because, I mean, I didn't see any place really to sit that I wanted to go and, and interrupt the, the uh, lesson that the speaker was giving. So I sit in the back, and I kind of lean back and let my head rest against the wall, and, and I was tired. I just fell asleep. And being recently back from the military, you know, there's, there's just this anxiousness of being in the military, of being prepared to, to fight. So... I fall asleep, my head rolls over, and it pushes one of the curls of my hair into my ear. And I'm asleep, but I feel this, and I don't know what it is, and it scares me. And I come out of that metal chair into a bunch of metal folding chairs, kicking, getting a fighting stance, just knocking chairs everywhere. And the whole 600 people turn and look at me, and the speaker stops, and he looks at me, and I'm going back, I'm just looking back at them and going, whoa, how do I explain this? And not being really fully awake and present in the moment, I just went, my hair scared me. <laughs> I never wore my field jacket again on campus. I didn't want to be recognized as that guy. He is our teacher only if we choose to be his student. I want to offer this simple prayer as a humble approach to having the Holy Spirit provide that ministry of sanctification 
for each of us individually, it's this. Dear Heavenly Father, teach me what you would have me learn. Teach me what you would have me learn, know, and live. Amen. Simple, simple prayer. Live that prayer every day and be ready to be taught. The Holy Spirit's role is to teach us, to lead us and guide us, to fill us, to use us in his service. We have to be a, a willing student in order for him to teach us. Then we must study scripture, read Christian-authored sources, seek avenues for the Holy Spirit to bring us messages, and pray that the Lord will open our heart and mind to remove untruth and misunderstandings and protect us from misunderstandings that will come to corrupt our thinking and depart us from his truth. I'm also going to ask a very challenging question. What can we do better? What can I do better tomorrow? What can each of us do better than what we've done today? The only thing that's going to bring change into our life is that we do something different than what we've been doing. If we keep doing the same thing, we keep getting the same results. I want to do better tomorrow than I did yesterday or am doing today. How can we have less anxiety and fear and greater faith? Anxiety and fear simply are the absence of the faith that we need to please God. The first step is repentance and hunger for righteousness. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 3, and 4, it says, Blessed are they who believe on... I'm going to take a few words out to condense this. Blessed are they who believe on me and are humbled and baptized in my name, for they shall be visited with fire and the Holy, and the Holy Ghost and receive remission of their sins. They shall be visited by the Holy Spirit. I got to thinking about what that really means, being visited by the Holy Spirit, and I thought of several of the instances of when, of when I was young, and I, I can look back on those points and know that I was visited in power by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's a feeling of intense compassion, creating a burning in your bosom, which that's described in Scripture, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can feel a burning in your bosom. It may be a deep desire to do right, and you feel a presence of God in, in that desire and in that pursuit of doing right. Or it could be, and this took me the, uh, the longest time to understand, I believe that we receive communication from the Holy Spirit, from angels, from demons, from, from possibly even the devil. And we don't even know when those, those, uh, uh, when those messages arrive to us most of the time. Because we think in, our, in the quietness of our own mind, but within our body is contained a spirit that is able to hear other spirits. And so what I, I look back on and I recognize Many of the times when I was getting ready to do something foolish, something sinful, there would be a question posed in my mind. Are you sure you want to do that? Some kind of question that just caused me to pause and rethink. Unfortunately, seldom did it ever cause me to stop, but it caused me to pause and rethink. Now that I understand what that is and how it works, I'm much less inclined to go against that question that causes me to think, is this God's will for me? Because relationship with God has to become our first priority. All we have when we leave this earth is us, who we become, 
and the characteristics that we have chosen individually, whether it's faith or fear, optimism or pessimism, service to God or service to self. Those are the things that compose who we are. That's all we take. And it determines a lot about what happens when we leave here. Then in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Think of the difference between being visited and being filled. Being visited, it's marvelous. Being filled is new life. The manifestations of being filled with the Holy Spirit are many. I'm just going to list a couple. There's new life of purpose and joy with optimism and faith. There is also that hunger and thirst for righteousness because we want, once we have the indwelling spirit, we want to keep the Holy Spirit comfortable being in our presence and only sin will separate us. So we have to eliminate that sin. And another thing, Psalm 51.12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Ask God to restore the joy of salvation. If we're living in any kind of anxiety or fear, it's a lack of faith. It's, it's, it, can be, it can be set to rest in the worst of situations by understanding that our salvation is in Jesus Christ. And our, our loss of salvation is not imposed upon us by somebody else. Somebody can kill me, take my life, but they're not going to harm me if I stay true to the gospel of Christ and have faith in my salvation and I'm willing to endure whatever comes in my direction in the faith of knowing my, my place in God's kingdom is assured by his atonement for me. We must focus on him and not ourselves, not our flaws, not our imperfections, not even our abilities. We recognize him, praise him, honor him, and serve only him. Christ says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all unto me. So as we seek to gather in, his desire is that we gather others with us. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that offers us peace, rest, and protection in Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that offers us the power to walk in his light, filled with his spirit, doing works as he did when he walked the earth, because we are called by and filled with his spirit. I came across a man I'm going to tell you about by a fellow at work. He asked me if I had ever heard of Todd White. No, I hadn't. He said, Google him. So I did. And if you want to Google him, I'll tell you that the, the one thing that I found that I love the most, uh, Todd White at Rama in Broken Air, and 2013 was there sharing his testimony. It's thrilling to listen to. He tells of his life as a sinner, just a wild man, a drug addict and a dealer, and how God intervened and saved his life. He was shot four times, point blank range, no bullet penetrated his body. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he had been spared by divine intervention. He didn't even know what that meant. He'd, he was raised uh, apart from any interaction with the gospel of Christ. 
when he was young, his parents uh, divorced. His mother took him to a military academy and dropped him off and never came back. He was raised by other people as an orphan, practically. <clears throat> and he said he was just angry. He was mad at the world. He, uh, he joined the Marines, and he didn't last there long. Uh, he rose to uh, you know, recognition within the Marine Corps pretty quick because he was just, he was uh, very athletic. He was very <clears throat> courageous. He just didn't take orders well. <laughs> so he said he, he left after he had finished uh, his trainings and he just took off to Colorado and became a ski bum. He just loved snow skiing. Well, they finally tracked him down, put him in uh, military confinement for being AWOL. They let him out and said it's going to be a year before you're really going to you know, recover from this AWOL incident. And so as soon as he got through, he says, I don't want to you know, pay a penalty for a year before I get right with them again. So he took off again. Anyway, at the end of the result of that was he got a, a, a dishonorable discharge. But he just fell into a life of sin that led up to that event of him being shot without being shot. But he, uh, he went into a slinky spiral down and was totally suicidal because Satan still had him as a POW. He was going to take his own life, and he wound up in a church pastored by a graduate of Rama Bible Church. And he, he, he describes it as this. He just says, I was directed there by the Holy Spirit and didn't know it. He was greeted by the pastor, and as they talked about Todd's deep despair, the pastor began to tell him the gospel. Now, this is just typical. Todd's response was anger. He said, I didn't come here to hear about Jesus. And the pastor said, dude, you came to a church. And so anyway, he, he began to, uh, to hear the gospel. He gave his life to Christ, and soon after that, he was in a rehab. While he was in rehab, his wife accepted Christ. When he came out of rehab, they both had accepted Christ and started a new journey together onto the old, old path that we all know so well. He said he began to practice life as revealed in the word in service to Christ, doing as Christ had done. He began to lay hands on people and pray. Nothing was happening. People weren't being healed. And uh, he just said he just refused to stop doing what he interpreted as being the instructions of the Holy Scriptures. He was going to live that life, and he was going to pursue that life, even if he didn't see it happening in his immediate presence. It got to the point where one time he and his wife were going to go to the grocery store and get groceries. He said, Todd, if you keep going up to people that you don't know, strangers, and laying hands on them and praying, you're not invited to go with me today. She was embarrassed. He didn't stop. Eventually, he said, a healing occurred, and then another, and then it became routine. And as he laid hands on people and prayed, he watched the Holy Spirit heal them. And Todd gives God all the glory. And I ask again, what can we do better tomorrow than what we are doing today? How can we gather into the intimate presence of God in, our whole, in, in his Holy Spirit and have him be welcome in us, authoring our service to God. 
when I first showed up here about a year ago, I had been out of church fellowship since before the pandemic. And when you uh, do what we, we sometimes call do the Lone Ranger Christian, you know, it's, it's like you're in enemy territory solo and there's, there's just going to be an erosion of your spiritual condition. And I experienced that. And you reach a point where you feel like you're justified in your choices because they work. Even if you're in a disobedient lifestyle to God, whatever you're doing, you're feeling like it's working until you actually have the Holy Spirit present to you what needs to change. But I came here to this church thinking, I have a friend who wants to be baptized. We might need an indoor baptismal font. We wound up going to Sky Took Lake because even on the 1st of December, God gave us a warm enough day we could do that. But I came here seeking that. When I got here, I met some friends that I hadn't seen in decades. And then I'm driving up here, and I feel the, the Holy Spirit give me the topic and some of the, the bare bones outline of a sermon. And I'm thinking, why do I have a sermon being given to me? And then I'm sitting right over here a week or two later, and the Holy Spirit fell on me so strongly I could only sit there and cry for about 30 minutes. And then Roger approaches me and says, I'm going to paraphrase what he says. He'll forgive me. You're not fulfilling your calling. And that's why I'm here this morning. Coming back into the fellowship of the saints challenged my lifestyle. I met the Holy Spirit here in power. And I'm dedicated to serving him. Let's be rededicated to that cause, building his kingdom, walking in his light, gathered in and led by his spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we have come this morning as believers in you and the gospel of, of your son, Jesus Christ, who offers us redemption, new life, and new purpose. Father, I pray for each person here that your Holy Spirit will indwell each of us to the power that we seek you above all else. We seek to build your kingdom before anything else. And then through doing that, we'll have those things added that you desire to bless us with that are beyond our ability to even understand to pursue. Father, we pray your spirit be with us. Go with us and accomplish your desires within us to create in us the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's turn to hymn number 557.
Almighty God, our kind Father in heaven, there are so many things that we can pray and say unto you. Thank you for letting us have conversation with the Creator. I don't know, Father, how your son really spoke when he was here. He spoke in a language that was foreign to ours. We have record of what he said, but I don't know how he spoke, but he kept people's attention. And today your servant kept our attention. Father, we've heard that uh, we stand here in the stead of your son, but we do not. We stand here in his presence. Your presence was here. His presence was here. You graced us this hour. And truly we have a thankful Thanksgiving heart. I pray your benediction on this hour, your blessing on these people, and the blessing on the food that we will soon be eating. In Jesus' name. Thank you.